Hi everyone, this is Charlie Levine, editor of Angler's Journal Magazine, and you're listening to the Angler's Journal Podcast. Now, this is our last episode of the season. It's um, coming up on the holidays here, and I wanted to take this time to just tell all of our listeners how grateful I am for you spending time with us over these last few months as we've learned how to podcast, you know, being a bunch of magazine writers and editors. It took us a little bit of time. I apologize for some of our earlier episodes that maybe uh, didn't have the best audio quality as we're, you know, navigating our way through all this stuff and learning how to use Zoom and, and microphones and, and all, the, all, the, all the fancy stuff we need to put this podcast out. And a big shout out to our producer, Nate, who has done a, a great job editing this together and making us sound as good as he can. I really appreciate your help, Nate. Thank you. And I also just wanted to take this time to kind of talk about, you know, my role here at the magazine and, and how I got here. Um, it's kind of weird to talk about myself, but... A lot of people, when uh, I meet them and I tell them what I do, their first response is something along the lines of like, how the heck did you get to be the editor of a fishing magazine? You know, that's, I guess, not a very common gig, especially these days. So I thought I would just kind of give you the quick, the quick story. <laughs> um, you know, I grew up in Connecticut on the shores of Long Island Sound, and both my dad and my stepdad were fishermen. Um, with boats and the means to get us out on the water. Uh, like a lot of kids, you know, I took it for granted and just figured everybody could do this kind of stuff. But looking back on it now, I'm extremely grateful for all the lessons they taught me and, you know, introducing me to, to fishing and the ocean and, you know, this, this way of embracing the environment and getting out in you know, you have that feeling of discovery when you're out fishing and you're in the elements and you're sort of out of control. It's Mother Nature who's really, you know, holding all the cards and you have to adjust accordingly. And And it's really opened my eyes to so many things. It's helped me learn about myself and I'm just, I'm so happy every time I get to go out there and and bring someone new into the world of fishing and introduce them to the sport. You know, one thing is that I've always said is if you take someone fishing and you put them on their first fish, it makes you immortal. And it sounds super corny, but what I'm getting at is, you know, they'll remember that day for the rest of their life. And, and I can vividly remember the first fish I ever caught by myself. I, I was around seven years old and we took my uncle's RV up to Hershey Park in uh, Pennsylvania. And then on the way back, we stopped somewhere in upstate New York. I don't remember exactly where. And it was, I believe, a state park on a lake with some rivers and, and hiking trails and stuff. And my dad got me a can of worms and gave me my fishing rod. And, you know, I kind of found a little spot on the, on the bank there. And alone and I cast well, I guess I had a bobber and some hooks and got a hook on and put a worm on there and I cast it out and uh, I got a loop 
in my reel, in the monofilament on my spinning reel. And my dad had taught me that you can't have a loop in your reel because it's you know going to mess up your casting and, and lead to a big old bird's nest. So I did what he told me to do, and I opened the bale, and I started pulling off line until the loop came out, and then I closed the bale, and I was pinching the, the line with my fingers to put a little tension on it as I reeled the slack back on to the reel. And once I got the slack on, I didn't realize it, but lo and behold, a fish had eaten my worm while I was doing all this. And I was tight. And man, that sense of accomplishment just, you know, radiated out of me. I think I started yelling, you know, dad, dad, I got one. I got one. Come here. Come on. And so, you know, he came and took some pictures of me, and I, I still have a, a picture of it that he actually framed for me, wearing my, you know, dorky bucket hat and my gold-rimmed 1980s-era <laughs> glasses, you know, looking like a uh, true young businessman <laughs> or something. But I cherish that picture because it's a reminder of what fishing is at its core. Um. So fast forward, you know, as I was trying to navigate the waters of life and decide what I wanted to do, I knew I wanted to be a writer. I always enjoyed writing stories. And when I sat down to, to tell my dad <laughs> what I wanted to do for a living, I told him I wanted to be a poet. And uh, he literally laughed so hard, he fell out of his chair, which not in a jerk way, but you know, he just got a kick out of it. But he did buy me a uh, electronic word processor, which was, you know, sort of the height of uh, technology back in that era. So I went off to college and I applied to a school in Gunnison, Colorado called Western State, which at the time I was a big alpine skier. And I believe it's the closest school to a major ski resort in the country, which is Mount Crested Butte. And that was really, quite honestly, the deciding factor of me going there. But it was the smartest decision I ever made. Um, as far as that connection to the outdoors, living in Colorado was just a fantastic place. So much hiking and skiing and biking and kayaks and snowshoe, all, all that stuff. And, and I did buy my first fly rod out there and dabbled in fly fishing a little bit. Um, but I, I really worked on my writing and, and I got involved in the student newspaper called the top of the world. And by my last year in school there, I was the managing editor of the school paper and, and it was great. It was a legit newspaper. We had, you know, a sports department and staff photographer, a dark room. Um, this is in the nineties. We were predates, you know, a lot of the um, computer pagination software. So we were laying out the magazine using old waxers and, and light tables and, you know, that would get sent off to a printer and they would make negatives and, and they would run the newspaper. And I just fell in love with the process. It was, I guess if you were going to compare, you know, building a publication to fishing, it would sort of be something like getting all of your preparations done and organizing your tackle and, you know, 
putting together all the tools you needed, and then going out there and on a good day, you know, the newspaper would come out on time and everybody enjoyed it, you know, and then there was a lot of bad days too where things just kind of went crazy and it didn't go according to plan and you just you just deal with it. But I really fell in love with the process. It's like building a house and then, you know, after it comes back from the printer, you get to hold it and, and feel it and see it around town. It's just a really cool thing. So after I graduated college, I ended up working for a little newspaper in Colorado. And, you know, I quite frankly, I kind of burned out. It was having to report on school board meetings and city council and, you know, violence and, you know, people got hurt or injured and you have to interview their families. And it just that side of it, while I truly respect everyone who works in the newspaper industry, it just it wasn't so much for me. I really was more happy writing feature articles, longer articles, personality profiles, travel, that sort of thing. So I kind of went adrift and I was living on a farm in Santa Fe, New Mexico, working as a, um, just sort of a, a general farm hand and burned out of that. And I ended up driving back to Connecticut and, Pulled into my mom's house with my Volkswagen bus and my dog and got a job waiting tables at a restaurant there while I looked for my next gig, which I wasn't sure what I was going to do. The idea of combining a love of, of fishing and boats in the outdoors with my writing, it honestly didn't really dawn on me. So started applying for jobs and one place I applied to was Soundings. Uh, Soundings Magazine, which is a sister publication to Angler's Journal, is a boating magazine based in the Northeast. It's got a great reputation. They do a wonderful job covering, you know, all different kinds of boats and um, also news related to boats. So um, when any kind of boating thing went down, Sounding was always there and they, they just did a great job. And one of the people who sat in on my interview was Bill Sisson. Now, if you've been reading Angler's Journal, you know the name Bill Sisson quite well. So Bill is the founding editor of Angler's Journal, and he's been on the pod a number of times. And Bill's been at this, I'm going to say, for about four decades now. And he is, quite frankly, one of the best in the business and just a, a good guy and fun to be around and always happy to teach young writers, um, you know, some tricks of the trade and, and help them improve. And so I didn't work directly for Bill back then. I actually ended up getting a job at Soundings Trade Only, which is a business-to-business um, boating industry magazine. And I was there for about a year, I guess. And Bill and I became friends. I also became friends with Michael LaBella, who is the... Um, senior editor at Angler's Journal, and he and Bill have been working together for, gosh, probably longer than either of them care to admit. But So I got to know those guys, and when I moved on to a fishing magazine, you know, Bill always sort of kept tabs on me. He would call me maybe once or twice a year just to catch up, and I would bump into him at boat shows and stuff like that, and he was always... It felt like he was proud of where I was going and that I was happy doing what I was doing. 
So I bumped around a little bit. I moved down to Florida. I got a job at Marlin Magazine. I was there for I bet, about 10 years. And, and then um, a job opening came up at Power and Motor Yacht Magazine, which, again, is part of our active interest media group here. And Dan Harding, the editor, reached out, and we interviewed, and, and I took that job, which was one of the greatest decisions I've made, and um, got back into magazine building, and, you know, again, that's part of this same group. And when Bill decided to slow down and take some time to do more fishing, you know, he groomed me, I guess, into this role of, of editor of Angler's Journal. And that happened, oh, gosh, earlier in the year. And it's just been a dream come true for me. Um, you know, this magazine has such a great reputation. Bill did such an amazing job creating it. And, and the, the contributors we work with, uh, the photographers are phenomenal. Our art director, uh, Aaron, is, is just super talented and great to work with. Um, you know, it's a, we've got a really good team. And in this crazy media world, it's really nice to work for a magazine that is that is so loved by its readers. Um, you know, we're constantly being barraged with information through our phones and all these devices and everything's super connected. Um, and with that being said, you know, fishing, I feel now is more important than ever to to get people away from that screen away from you know the never-ending dings and buzzes and notifications and to just get them outside and um, you know one really cool silver lining of the pandemic was this boom of new anglers and and also people who got reconnected with boating and fishing um, it's really great to get out there and escape you know if you really want to forge some some cool relationships with your family and friends, you know, go fishing, you know, and, and it's really fun for me now that I've been a fisherman for, for so long, I really love taking new people fishing and to put them on their first catch. Um, I wanted to kind of capture some of those thoughts in a column and my first column as editor in chief ran in the fall issue of English Journal, which is, um, you know, was, has been out for a little bit. It's probably still in bookstores now. And it's called The Great Escape, and I thought I would just read it for you here. The fish don't care about deadlines or meetings or whatever hoops you had to jump through to make time to chase them. When you hold a rod in your hands, the notifications and calendar invites melt away like late morning fog. Your schedule, your commitments don't matter. You are but a speck in the ocean, a grain of sand on the beach. Anonymous. As I stepped up to the casting deck of a heaving express boat somewhere off Costa Rica, it took me a second to anchor my feet. I held my arms out wide like a tightrope walker. I felt a million miles away from my laptop and keyed in on what really mattered in that moment. The sound of dolphin leaping from the waves, marauding birds diving, yellowfin tuna leaving bubble trails across the dimpled surface in hot pursuit of food. I was fully focused. One thought, one pursuit. 
I made my cast toward the fray, the boat having settled down, my footing true. The large popper flew skyward and came down with a thwap. I quickly recovered the slack line and pulled hard and fast so the scoop face on the floating lure would chug and kick out a splash. Two big pops and a tuna came in from the side, mouth open, eyes focused. It devoured the plastic and I was tight at last. Thank God Almighty, I was tight. Watching a fish destroy a plug, popper, or fly is one of the greatest thrills in angling. It never gets old. And while we live for those rarefied moments, it's the quick bites in between, the beachside shuffles, the bottom fishing forays, or the run to the river to wet a fly line that keep us thirsty and coming back for more. A few months back, I bumped into Chip Schaefer, and he said something that has stuck with me. Schaefer is one of the most decorated offshore captains to ever ply the blue water. He's run offshore sport fishing operations since the 1970s and currently helms the old reliable, a 72-foot bayless. The custom sport fish is the featured component of a globe-tropping outfit owned by Nick Smith. The main target for this crew is billfish on fly, which brings them to Mexico, Guatemala, and wherever else migration patterns take them. Schaefer and his team are the very best at what they do, and their record speaks for itself, logging days with more than 40 marlin releases. But running an operation like this is work, lots of work, and sometimes Schaefer just wants to escape to the pond. Isn't it funny how we start our fishing careers chasing brim and bass, and then we want more, Schaefer said to me in his soft Carolina. Schaefer said to me in his soft Carolina accent with a big smile. So we get into saltwater fishing. We go after bigger fish with bigger boats. But then as we get older, it kind of all comes full circle. And we long for those simple days back at the pond, he said. His words rang true to my ears. My fishing these days is dominated by chasing largemouth bass with my two young boys. We live in central Florida on a chain of lakes, and between youth sports and birthday parties, family obligations, my fishing opportunities have been sliced down to preordained windows that must live on the calendar or they simply won't happen. The days of obliging that call from a buddy, hey man, they're biting right now, drop whatever you're doing and get your ass down here, are gone for now. So I go bass fishing. I bring a rod to the beach. I take out my skip. It's all good. Whether you're tossing a line into a pond with a child or burning diesel on your way offshore, it really doesn't matter. The feeling is the same. There's something freeing about being unnoticed and living in the moment. Just a person holding a fishing rod, thinking about what lure or bait to use, no commitments or notifications, out of range, off the grid, feeling alive. That's the escape that fishing provides, and I hope Angler's Journal magazine provides a bit of that feeling as you navigate the turbid waters of life in between bites. So that's the goal, and I really appreciate all of you who've listened in. Like I said, if you haven't checked out Angler's Journal magazine, please do. We're really proud of it. think you'll love it. Run over to anglersjournal.com. It's also a great gift to buy for someone for the holidays. Um, and we'd like to hear from you. Let us know what stories you like, where you think we can improve, 
again, if you go to the website, there's a contact us button and we welcome your thoughts and opinions. Thank you so much. Happy holidays. Have a wonderful new year. I hope your new year's resolution is to get out, fish some more. That's what mine is. Take care, everybody, and we'll hopefully see you on the water.